Now this is podcasting. On today's episode, I am joined by Tim, Noah, and Thomas Brazier, and we discuss the Star Wars prequels. If you like what you hear, please give us a positive review on iTunes or whatever streaming platform you are listening to this on. Also, if you like to ask any questions or have any suggestions for topics, write us in at outerexperiencepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great day. This is perfect. Far too long. This is going to be a very long podcast. Welcome to Outer Experience. Because if you're in the experience, and let's harmonize on this one, you've, you've got to get out of it. You've got to get out of it. That was great. Well, we have a new guest on the Outer Experience episode today. It is Noah, the man, Brazier. Hi. Noah, introduce yourself. What is your most embarrassing Hello. moment? Who's your favorite Star Wars character? And what's your second favorite color? Well, my most embarrassing moment, uh, we'll have to save for another podcast, but it's when I got a yellow belt in karate. Okay. Um, <laughs> what was the other one? Favorite I remember that story. No, your favorite Star Wars character and your second favorite color. Favorite Star Wars character? Yep. Uh, Luke, when he had the, in Return of the Jedi, when he had the black suit and the oh. black hand. Okay. Yeah. And then your second favorite color. Uh, a pass on that one. <laughs> okay. I, I haven't thought about that. Good answers, though, Noah. I'm glad I put you on the spot. Uh, we got Noah Brazier for the first time. So this, this completes the Brazier brother saga, if you will. Wow. It does. I should check who has the most listeners. Yes, you have a lot of brothers. Who truly is the most entertaining of us. Tim. 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 Ah, you're right. Darn it. Anyway, today we are going to be talking about I'm really good. Star Wars. But not just any old Star Wars. We're going to talk about... The ones that started it all, or not really, but we're going to talk about the prequels and if, if they're any good or if they're any bad. Am I right, <laughs> Um What are some of your, Thomas, when I say the Star Wars prequels, what are some of your first gut reactions to, I guess when you're talking about the prequels, what comes to mind? Um, I mean, what comes to my mind is... Uh, I think, like, when the prequels came out, that was, like, the first time I, uh, I saw a movie, like, at 12 o'clock at night. So really? Like, oh. Yeah. So I remember the excitement of uh, going to see those movies when I, was a, when I was a kid. Which one did you see at midnight? Uh, I think Attack of the Clones. Oh. That's a good one to see late, if you know what I'm talking about. Ooh, yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well... In the Brazier yeah, household, Star Wars is a very big confusing. deal, way before the prequels. I mean, Tim, Noah, since you guys are the two, the eldest of the brethren, um, what was, do you remember your introduction point to Star Wars? I mean, we always watched it. Was there like ever a point where it was like the first time you guys watched the movies that you're like, oh man, I've never thought this would be so cool? Or is it just you grew up with it like we did? 
I, I don't know. For me, I think it was mostly like, because I, I, the Star Wars, the first one came out a year before I was born. So it came out in 77. And I was born in 78. And so it was kind of always around. But I think like what really like stands out in my memory is that like the toys like started to become really, really, because at first, like I think, in 77 like when the movie came out they didn't really anticipate like how popular it would be so they didn't really have a lot of stuff but then they kind of figured it out and then they made toys for like every single character like in the cantina and all that kind of stuff and i think having those like was kind of those are kind of some of my earliest memories and i remember i remember i think we saw return of the jedi in the movie theater i don't think we ever saw empire strikes back I remember um, watching the <laughs> those Ewok were really good when those came out on TV. Yeah, and that being a no. What about you? Growing deal. up with Star Wars, I'm kind of with Tim. I don't really remember the first time I saw it. It was when Me I was either. really young. Um, the uh, it, the toys, I guess, and I remember Return of the Jedi probably best out of all of them. Oh yeah, because it had the coolest monsters. Oh yeah, the Ewoks and everything yeah. like that. The giant eating thing in the pit. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. two eating pit monsters. Yeah, that one and the the one under Jabba's chair. Oh yeah, there was a, there was a really cool toy of that. Either Tim or Seth had it. Oh yeah, was that the miniature thing that was inside the R two D two like robot and you open up? No. Do you remember those ones? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but does anyone remember those little mini ones little that you rancor. open up like the R two or the Darth Vader's head, and then it's the miniature uh, of like the set or something like that? Those were cool. <laughs> Yeah, those were later. I remember there was that, a that was pretty boss. They had the the action figures that we had where like the lightsaber was in their hand, and then there were a couple of ships that would explode. I think they're the land speeders, and you could never put them back together. <laughs> and then the really yeah. cool ones was I think it was a cereal <laughs> company, probably General Mills, made these tiny little like pewter figures. Cool. And Joel Ostell, our next door neighbor, oh, yeah. had tons of them, and we didn't have any of them. We had like one C three PO or something terrible. <laughs> the best one. <laughs> I thought we had some of them. We got, I thought we had the one from. Um, I can't or maybe it was Joel's. I don't remember the one from uh, like Empire Strikes Back, yeah, where like Luke that. gets blown out of the window. Small, like, super small. <laughs> were they action figures yeah, they or were what were they? Rad. Just, like, and is. You could just watch Luke fly out the window over and over and over again. Well, that's awesome. (laughs) Well, so to set the stage of the prequels, I mean, we grew up with Star Wars and we watched it all the time. I mean, that was like that Godzilla and the Power Rangers were like the three main things that I watched as a kid. And it was a very cool time when they released the Star Wars prequels <laughs> because before that, I remember they had released the special edition Star Wars movies in the theaters. And just a really quick story. I remember Thomas and I got called into the office one day during school and mom had called us out of school to go see a new hope, the special edition new hope oh, in wow. theaters. Remember that Thomas? I, I do now. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. And, and I didn't really realize what they were doing with the whole special edition things. But I feel like in hindsight, were they doing that to test like the technology for the prequels? Or why did they do that? No, Just to no. get the hype they back re- up? They released those movies probably every couple of years after they first came out. And oh, I did they, they really? Just, it was just, yeah, because that's how they used to do movies. I'm pretty sure they used to like it would come out and then a couple of years later come out again. I think it had been a while though yeah. since it came out, and they were adding like some of those new. Yeah, because they had all the CGI parts. stuff. That's what I was curious about. 
I think they're just trying to get the money. Yeah, is another way to. Make it so. I think. I think. I think part of it was like they needed money to finance. Uh, at least what I saw, the they got a lot of money doing the re-releases. <laughs> they got a ton of. Well, we, I mean, we, we saw, all saw all of them. I think we saw a couple of oh, them totally. a couple of times. Like I remember going and seeing Empire. I think like two or three times. I like with the my stuff friends. they added for Empire. I thought the cool part with the uh, the the abominable snowman guy in the beginning was actually pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, so. You're just like the whole time. You're just waiting for that that two second. And then part that was, was like yeah. slightly different than what you're. <laughs> it's so true. And then you watch them now, and I almost get white. Well, I, I don't almost get. I get very annoyed when I watch Return of the Jedi, and they have that whole song part with with uh, Jabba's palace. I love <laughs> that, that part. I don't know what it was talking about. That part's great. So yeah, that was original. That was in the original one too. Oh yeah, that's right. The, the scene. You got both that with all his babes, you know, lips. in the corner. Like, oh, yeah. yeah the, it's kind of sad because the lips puppet was in it. That lip, lips lady was in it, but she was a puppet. And I think it's completely gone. Yeah. Now. Oh man, they just removed <laughs> it. That's too bad. It'll always be Star yeah, Wars figure. What's her name? Don't look that up. That's going to take too long. So to set the stage for the prequels, because I think there is actually a really interesting discussion to have about these movies, because this is so, of course, George Lucas, you know, after having success that he had with American Graffiti, was given the green light to do pretty much whatever he wanted. And but like Fox, who was distributing Star Wars at the time, was really worried that it was going to be a flop because these science fiction movies had never worked out. And the way he described it, he was like, I want to I, I want to make a Western uh, in space, you know, and so it just didn't seem like it was going to be as big to them as they, they figured it was just going to be like another science fiction movie that was really going to tank. But George Lucas was really confident in what he had. I think even Steven Spielberg, he had like a conversation with him being like, hey, this is going to be really big. But anyway, in exchange, Spielberg, like saw the screening, I think like he showed a bunch of movie or like a bunch of directors when it first came out and Steven Spielberg was the only one that thought it was any good. Everyone well, there you go. <laughs> he knows, he knows something that's good. That's so what happened. The reason I want to share this is because it gives context and how George Lucas was able to pretty much fund the entire prequels by himself was when they initially did the star Wars deal, George Lucas said that he will in exchange for $500,000 of the directing fees, he just wanted to maintain the licensing and the merchandising rights to uh, under his name. So under his company, they were going to get all the money from the toys. So it's interesting that you both brought up the toys because I think that's yeah. a huge reason why not only why Star Wars was so successful and how he was able to move on and make these movies by himself, but also the fact that they're just household names because there were so many toys and backstories of every single character <laughs> in the entire universe. Like, I think it was so funny. Even someone walks by and it's like, oh, this is someone someone and he did this and this it's like he's in the movie for two seconds <laughs> oh man that was a glorious two seconds but it really paid off because again that leads to my point with the prequels and what's so unique about them is the fact that it is this he george lucas had all the freedom to do whatever the heck he wanted with these movies and to a degree it's pretty cool that he had that liberty but i, I guess for me what do you guys think I guess let's let's start actually just down the road. Tim, what do you think the prequels do well? What do I think they do well? Yeah. Well, one of the things I think is really neat about the prequels is like, um, and I know this is like one of the one of the gripes that 
George Lucas, I think, has of the the new movies, the ones that the Disney's been doing right now, is is I think they did like really different stuff. I mean, he he did he broke so much ground with like introducing like digital characters and I mean, even watching it right now, and you know, even though like some of the stuff looks a little dated, it still holds up pretty well. And you got to think that this was like one of the first times you know in the history of cinema that people were were pushing like those 100 percent cgi like, shots yeah all digital shot all these cgi all over the place i mean, I mean <laughs> jar jar binks still looks pretty cool so oh, I, yeah. I, I think <laughs> like a lot of that stuff and a lot of like the worlds that they went to you know i think like the first couple of movies it was always like okay the desert or we're going to put everybody in a snow place or, or the forest you know and those are all going to be different planets but in like the prequels he like went to places that were like or you know developed these planets that were like just totally out there you know lava like the, planet city planet <laughs> underwater city yeah coruscant is totally awesome yeah. lava planet coruscant called coruscant leaves a lot to be discussed because if the entire city is a planet who runs it? And is there any water on the planet? Yeah, in the middle. <laughs> okay, right I in the middle. Know. Yeah. But uh, I, I, that's a good point, Tim, because I do think there's a lot to be said about the technology that they were able to establish because this definitely changed movies. Noah, what do you think? What do the prequels do really well? I agree with Tim. They expanded the world well. Um, in, a, in a way, that's like the good thing and the bad thing about them is they expanded the world, which is interesting to see, but they expanded also in I think ways that took it away from what made the original movie so so uh, kind of unique in that you went from like this Western kind of atmosphere of lawlessness to like a very ordered society, which was kind of a shock. In a totally. Way. A lot of politics. Yeah. And not, not just that, <laughs> but like everything was clean all of a sudden, like. Like the the old Star Wars movies, things look like they look junky. Like the like the even the the nice spaceships look junky. Yeah. That's a good point. Where everything looks slick. Have you guys watched? Like, Noah, have you seen? Are you have Tim Noah, Thomas themselves. Mandalorian? Yeah. Have you guys watched the Mandalorian series? Yes. It's, no. It, it's interesting because I feel like they're really going for that aesthetic where it's everything's more run down and beaten up, and I love it. I think it looks great. Yeah, it looks amazing. The last episode was super good too, Bo. Oh yeah, Thomas. What do you think when you the prequels? What do you think they do really well? Um, yeah, I the two things that I kind of thought of was I thought they, in, they the the intro to all like the the main Star Wars characters that everyone knows. I thought they did it well, um, like with Obi Wan and and Anakin and this all and the Emperor and stuff. So I thought they did a good job of of, of bringing those guys up from the prequels. Um, and then I liked all the fight scenes that were in each of the movies. I thought those were cool. Especially as yeah, the, the so. choreography was definitely a, a step up. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you compare like the Jedi fights from like the prequels to like the, to <laughs> the, the first one. one. <laughs> yeah. It's like everyone got really bad at sword fighting. after. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially if you watch Rogue One right before you watch A New Hope. You're like, Darth Vader was just destroying everybody. <laughs> Like what yeah. happened? That was awesome. <laughs> he just he went easy on it. He's like, "Oh man, Obi Wan's old. I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna take it slow." There's still uh, some humanity in him. That's what that's Padme right. meant when there's still some humanity left. He's not gonna beat up an old man. That's true. <laughs> oh, He's man. got his principles. So Tim and Noah, I, I I remember my first viewing of Episode One. Did you guys have? Was there like a lot of hype? Were you guys in high school when this came out? No. College. 
college. Ecuador. Oh, you were gone. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. So, Noah, do you remember seeing it in college? Yeah. The funny thing is, it was, at least this is what I, from what I remember, it was one of the first movies where the trailer came out on the internet. Yeah. So, like, huh. it t- for some reason, it took forever to download back then. So, I remember <laughs> waiting around to watch the trailer on, like, a tiny little screen because it couldn't do the resolution high. So, you had, like, this tiny little window. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I think the Phantom of the Menace trailer was actually screened on uh, what was the that one random movie? It's like a golf movie with Will Smith, but oh. a ton of people went to see the movie just because oh, Bagger the Phantom Vance? Menace. Yeah, Legend of Bagger Vance. I think that's the movie. That's a great movie, oh. and I remember it really boosted the sales. <laughs> no, no, Shia LaBeouf's in Greatest Game Ever Played. That's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, nice try. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i remember it really boosted the sales of that movie simply because people wanted to see the trailer for a phantom for the, for the phantom and then everyone just got up and, left. and everyone left no but i think they played it again <laughs> at the end of the movie so they did it once right before the movie and they did it right after the movie so people would stick around that's what i've heard <laughs> anyway play it once in the middle <laughs> I remember it was such a big deal when I, because I, when I first saw the trailer, I remember thinking to myself, like as a kid, just like, oh, this is so cool. It's going to be a new Star Wars story. And it was definitely like palpable, the level of excitement, even like as a young kid. And it was such a fun atmosphere because it's such a fun world to go back to. Um, yeah. And I, so, I mean, let's, let's talk about some of the negative stuff of prequels before we dive into each movie. But what, what, for for you, Tim, where do you think these movies fail? They, I mean, they're perfect. No, I'm just kidding. They um, don't. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They're great. Uh, they're definitely like uh, I think a lot of people have talked about like them overusing green screens. I think some of the the dialogue is is really bad. Is poodoo. Um, yeah. And that you know, there's there's a lot of moments in it that are really really slow. Um, so I think like the pacing, the dialogue, um, need a little bit of work. Um, you taking like these, like really, really talented actors that are like, you know, perform really well in pretty much every other movie they're in, but they <laughs> Oscar Winner, Natalie Portman. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think too, like George Lucas had been out of the game of directing for so long and nobody really wanted. Yeah. I think he actually tried to get somebody else to direct. I think I thought Steven Spielberg was initially going to do episode one. No, maybe not that. I think maybe right after Star Wars had finished the last or the Return of the Jedi, I think he said that he wanted to do episode seven, but he ended up not. They ended up not making them then. That would have been so rad. That'd been really cool. No, but that's a good point because George Lucas, after making the Star Wars movies, he took a step back to be. He said, like in his words, he wanted to be a parent. Yeah. So he was gone from movie making for that long. But then, of course, Lucas Lucas Films or Lucas Arts is still making a ton of money from the toys. So the cool thing about the prequels is they're independent movies. Like in reality, it's basically there's no there's no yeah no studios or anything yeah, like that. No studio saying, "Hey, don't put this Jar Jar character in the entire movie. <laughs> like, get rid of him pretty early." And so it's pretty cool that he had that creative liberty. But also, you could tell, like, and I, I'd agree. I think the thing for me that I think the prequels miss on is structurally and i guess like when you read what happens in the stories it all seems pretty cool like it seems like okay this could be a good origin story for darth vader because there's hints of him wanting to control everything but the execution whether it's 
the directing or not having like a moment to breathe in some of these movies, I think really hurt them because then there are these really weird transitions from when, you know, Anakin and I'm jumping ahead here, but like when Anakin kills the sand people, what could have been like an emotional and understandable moment ends up being just some kid being whiny and like, you know, like you're like, well, <laughs> and then this girl falls in love with him and you're like, why? Like what? Like why would she? It's kind of romantic. It yeah. is kind of romantic. I guess when you put it that way, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I no, just murdered a whole lot of people. <laughs> I killed the kids. Oh, it's okay. I love you. <laughs> Noah, what would Women, you say? Women, children. Prequels, what would you say the prequels oh. do poorly, Noah? Uh, the dialogue. And then I'd, I'd say that, you know, this, it, it turned out poor, but I don't know if they could have ever predicted it. But, but again, I, it goes back to changing the setting from the original ones. You can see this in the in the episodes seven through nine. Go back to the setting of the first movies, and you know they changing the setting. That much would have been bad for the prequels, but they you know they did change the setting, and I think in the end that was a it was a, a a bad move. But I mean you can't say that yeah when you're making it. What do you, you have no idea? So what do you mean by the setting? I I guess you mean like as far as the planets not, they go or. Yeah, it wasn't as Wild Westy. Yeah. It just didn't have that same lawless feel. It had like a weird kind of like, okay, this is familiar, but not. And it's not the same as I, you know, the things that I liked when I saw the original movies. Good point. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that it just changed it, made it different than what um, you were expecting. Oh, yeah, I agree. So you go to see a Star Wars movie and you expect that crazy cantina scene and you get this other one where everything's nice and they're in these nice buildings and everyone's really polished. You know, like that's kind of different than I was expecting. Good point. Yeah. I never really thought of that, but that's definitely true. I think that would definitely make you feel like this is a different thing and it's not like the original ones that you've enjoyed so much. I think Thomas J. Abrams, like that was a big thing for him when he did like the other movies is to make, to kind of get like the dirt and the grit and all that kind of back in. And all the, all the practical effects too that he made. Yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of a double-edged sword though, because I think I think now what Disney is doing, while they do a good job of it, it seems like they're just making the same thing over and over. I mean, and I, I'm not saying these are bad, but you look at the Mandalorian, and it's really just recycled characters. There's like nobody new. It's it's Boba Fett with Yoda, and like, <laughs> and the stormtroopers are back, and it's like you know they it, you kind of they're kind of caught in this weird thing where if they if they go too far from their original formula, people get mad. Totally. But then they're stuck just remaking the same thing over and over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, I'm curious what... And that's what... That's like kind of one of the cool things about like the prequels because I think he did go so far off. And I think at first, like... You know, at first everybody loved it, but then like people started to realize like, you know, some of this is really bad. <laughs> and I... I think like there was a lot of, you know, like hate on it for a while, but I, it's, what's weird is I think that those characters, like they still worked, they still endured and they still kind of, you know, especially like they did the clone wars and all that other kind of stuff. Like, I think on a whole, the story and the characters and all that stuff still worked, even with like all the problems that the movies had. Yeah. But I, I think, as Noah's, I, I think Noah's right with the point where you, they're caught in such an interesting place where like you have to give them something new but old at the same time. 
And you yeah. can't really trust the audience to appreciate the new stuff because you look at The Last Jedi and really it's not that different than other Star Wars movies. But the small doses that they gave differently, like, okay, this character's not going to be the same and he's going to have to, you know, regain his confidence. Or the fact that they killed Snoke is like, those are seen as like the reasons why people hate the movie. And it's like, well, okay, then they can't really go too far off of what the normal structure is. But at the same time, like people didn't like The Force Awakens because they felt like it was a rehash of A New Hope. So I don't really know. I, <laughs> yeah. I think people, it's a weird spot. It is a weird spot. I think time will like kind of ease it out because this is something I've been noticing is lately like on the internet, people are starting to talk about like how the prequels are good. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was just like a few years ago, people were like, these are the worst <laughs> movies ever made. So I'm like, wait a minute. What's going on here? Thomas, what do you think? What do the prequels do poorly? Um, I mean, kind of just echo what you guys all said, but I think like any other Star Wars movie that's going to be made in the future, like the expectations are just too high like to try to, to match what the classics did for everyone <laughs> and stuff. So Totally. Yeah, I think that's, that's – it's not necessarily what they did poorly, but it's something that they're never going to be able to – What's well, hard because you have to draw a line in the sand with the new movies where it's like there can't be a middle discussion of like, oh, The Last Jedi does this really well, but it also has these issues. Instead, it's like it's either it's the worst movie that's ever been made or it's the best of the Star Wars movies. And it's just it's too much. Yeah. It can't uh, all be like Rogue One or something. Rogue One was awesome. I know, but some people hate that one, too, until now. Now they're starting to warm up to it. I like that one. Well, that one's heavy in nostalgia, too. Very true. So let's get into the prequels because that's what we'll be focusing on. There's a lot of other stuff to talk about, but we'll start with the Phantom Menace. Here's a quick plot overview. Phantom Anakin Menace Skywalker. is my favorite one. Oh, good. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think you'll it's have super to elaborate. Good. Let me let me go through the plot first, and then I'm going to have you talk about it. All right. Anakin Skywalker, a young slave, strong with the Force, is discovered on Tatooine. Meanwhile, the evil Sith have returned enacting their plot for revenge against the Jedi. I'd say this one is actually my least favorite, but Tim, why is it your favorite? Dude, you're so wrong. Wait, have you seen the second one? Yeah, I just one's... watched it recently, and I, it's <laughs> better than I remember. It's better than I remember. Yeah. I'll explain why, but go go through. Why do you think The Phantom Menace is your favorite, Tim? There's a couple of reasons. Well, I think, like, I, I don't know. Like, the way that it came out for me, too, I think was, like, really it was weird because I was in – ecuador so it was in a different country and so like the marketing and stuff that we got was just like and i you know it'd been something i've been excited about since i was a little kid i remember going to like aspen grove and like when i was probably like 10 or something like that and one of the kids was like oh yeah like there's supposed to be like three other star wars movies that are before and it's all about anakin and all that stuff and so like for for as long as I can remember practically, like I'd had that in my head about like these movies coming out and then they came out and I'm in a country where I can't like actually see it. <laughs> but I just, I just think like, like all the characters and seeing what Jar Jar Binks look like and Princess Amidala and um, Queen Amidala, excuse me. Um, and especially he <laughs> looks freaking awesome. It's yeah. one of, I think honestly, like one of the coolest characters, I mean, I, I think in, in almost any of the Star Wars films, like just the way that it looks. And I remember also just, um, so we didn't have a lot of stuff, but one of the, one of the, um, one of the missionaries that I was with in Ecuador, got the soundtrack 
the Phantom Menace and we were listening to orca- orchestral like music and so we would listen to that all the time and it's got like one of the coolest soundtracks it's like so dramatic and it's got like all the people singing and all that kind of stuff so I don't know I just think there's a lot of really cool parts to it I think Naboo is really a cool looking planet and going underwater and doing all that all the monsters that are down there um, I thought you know, going back to Tatooine is fun. I thought the pod racing was pretty cool. I mean, it was it was way too long, um, <laughs> so it could have been better. Um, but I thought it was kind of cool how the way they an- introduced Anakin. And I, I think the lightsaber fight between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn and Darth Maul is probably, like, the coolest lightsaber fight in the whole thing. Oh, man. Wait wow. a minute. Lay it out. Yeah, Darth Maul especially, because he's like the guy that they got to play him was like he actually knew like martial arts. And so it's like one of the only you know, they didn't pick him because of his acting abilities. Um, so it's like one of the only fights where there's actually a guy on stage that knows what he's doing. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Yeah, his name's Ray Park. That guy was rad. He's he ended up being in like X Men. He was the toad guy in X Men, but yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. much of an actor. Um, Noah, do you remember what your initial thoughts were when you first saw Phantom Menace? Yeah, I, I mean, I liked it at the time. It was fun. It was fun to go back and see a different movie in that setting. Yeah. Did you feel like it fit the Star Wars feeling? I know you mentioned it felt much cleaner, so maybe not in that aspect. But as far as like the story went, did you feel like it was a welcome chapter in the Star Wars saga? The story, uh, from what I can remember, yeah, it was it was good. It was kind of like, I don't, those movies, it's hard to say because the original ones we used to see so often, at least, you know, like once a year usually, but uh, on video or something. But the prequels were kind of like, it was fun to see the first time, but you didn't really care about seeing it the second time. Oh, yeah. No, I can, I definitely agree with that. At least the first one. I was like, eh, I see it again. Oh, yeah. But it was, I mean, it was fun to see it. Yeah. It's fun to see those spaceships exploding and Thomas, stuff. what are your thoughts on uh, what are your thoughts on Phantom Menace? Do you remember when you first saw it? Um, I do not remember when I first saw it, but I remember when it came out. Like I remember that the poster of An- the little Anakin walking and Darth Vader in the background. Yeah, that's cool. Then, like, oh, with like, the Darth shadow. Was the ultimate. He was the ultimate bad guy. So I I, I liked him. And I I always liked like like or- origin stories are I think are really cool. And yeah, I just remember the the pod racing was really cool, and having that video game too that we did the pod racing on. Yeah. <laughs> Darth Maul was awesome. So yeah, I remember I had a lot of fun with it. But yeah, I think Phantom of the Menace is like kind of like what Noah said. It's, um, I I never like if it's on, I'll, I'll watch it, but I never really have a desire like the other Star Wars movies to watch it again. Oh yeah, no, I understand that. It, just upon rewatching it, because I watched this once Disney Plus came out. I've been watching the prequels. That's why I wanted to talk about these i phantom menace is kind of a grind it's a little bit slower and i think again this is be this would be my overarching i guess issue with the prequels is i feel like they're more of a sequence of events but there's not really a character arc or a theme that the movie is like reverting back to i feel like things just happen these characters don't make decisions and things just, it's just like, okay, we have to go here. Now let's go here. Now let's do this. Oh, we got to do the pod racing. Now we got to go back to Coruscant. Now we got to go back to Tatooine. And no one ever makes like an active decision. And you're basically, 
I guess you're forced, uh, for lack of a better word, <laughs> to uh, to link onto these characters just because of who they were in the original trilogy. Because Obi Wan Kenobi in the prequel, at least in Phantom Menace, doesn't really get any character development until the very end when he's fighting Darth Maul. The rest of it, he's just really boring. And when he's on Tatooine, all he does is sit in the ship. So wow. I'm not sure. My I, ship. He was still learning, see bad. I know, but he was just sitting back. I mean, we should have had him be the main character of the movies instead of have it be Qui-Gon or Jar Jar, whoever it was Qui-Gon at that was point. Awesome. He, was, he was probably the best part. I, I didn't even mention Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon. I, I like Qui-Gon Jinn. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in order to have a cohesive narrative, they should have been following a character instead of just a segment of things. Does that make sense? Yeah. What, what are you? I, I don't know. I, I'm just I think so. I mean, I what think, I'm thinking about. I don't know. I think it's it's kind of hard because I think like some of the acting and stuff kind of shields a lot of like the story a little bit because I do think that the characters are making decisions and they they do you know obviously like it's kind of all about like Anakin descending into what he would become. But um, you're kind of muffled, Tim. Are you blocking oh, I don't something? Know. No, you're okay. I can hear you better now. Sorry. sorry. No, you're good. Tim. Timmy. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I don't know. I, I just think that, you know, there is, I think those elements are there. They're just kind of, I think they get kind of distracted away with a lot of other stuff that's going on. Yeah, and that's fair. I, I do have to remind myself, and George Lucas even said this, that they are essentially, they're, I mean, they're kids' movies, you know, and that's not an excuse for the writing, but the one thing these movies do really well is they set up really cool set pieces. Mm-hmm. I think that it feels like these grand adventures, even though what we're dealing with is like trade federation blockades and, you know, pod racing and gambling and things like that. It, it's, it's still very exciting and it's unique to the star Wars world. Um, one thing that's kind of frustrating and actually we were talking about Darth Maul because I do think he was a cool design character yeah. One thing upon rewatching The Phantom Menace that I forgot is that he is the first Sith Lord that they've seen in a thousand years. And so it's really cool. And I think that fight scene, like Tim was saying, is one of the best ones because they let the they let they have a few moments where it breathes, where they have those doors close and then they have to like, you know, put their lightsabers away. And it's just a really cool tense moment where you can see Obi-Wan Kenobi like after Qui-Gon gets killed by Darth Maul, you can see like him turn to anger and try to fight off Darth Maul, which I think is one of the best segments of the fight because it's so well choreographed. But here's my issue, I guess, with the Darth Maul thing. In Solo, they bring Darth Maul back. And I thought it was so cool to have Obi-Wan be the first Jedi to, or like, you know, the first Sith in a thousand years and Obi-Wan's the one to kill him. But instead it's like, I, apparently it's now Anakin Skywalker who did because no, I guess he's the one Obi-Wan. who killed... No, because Anakin kills Count Dooku. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi kills Darth Maul later. Yeah, I know. But I guess I was thinking about, like, who did it first kind of thing. But that's how I was kind of frustrated with him being back in Solo. But True. Anyway, he was a cool bad guy, but mainly because he didn't say anything stupid. Noah, what did <laughs> you think? Did you like Darth Maul? Do you like the fight scene at the end of Phantom Menace? Um, yeah, I like the fight scene. I... I, I personally wouldn't say it's one of the best ones um what what for you makes a good star wars fight scene like lightsaber i liked 
I liked the ones in the original trilogy the best. I think the one at the end of Return of the Jedi with oh. Luke against Darth Vader is one of the best. Oh, yeah. And then the one against Darth Vader and Luke. Just because they're so much more brutal feeling. Totally. Um, they feel violent. Actually, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, Revenge of the Sith did a good job with it with Anakin and, and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi in a way. But, but I think the, the more choreographed ones for me take away from just the, the more hack and slash brutality. Oh, yeah. And I thought the original movies did that a little bit better. I remember watching. But, you know, it's really just taste. Totally. Well, I remember watching Empire Strikes Back as a kid and genuinely being afraid of Darth Vader. Like whenever he walked in the room, you're just like, oh, Luke, be careful. Because like there's the part where he jumps out from the corner and is like just slashing away at Luke. And it, yeah, it genuinely feels scary. Whereas a lot of the <laughs> movies, seeing that mask. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good point. He's just swinging away. <laughs> yeah, but that's probably where it came from. But yeah, the prequels feel like too much, a little bit like a dance at points. But I, I still think that's really cool choreography, though. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's just different styles. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it just felt a little bit more realish and scary. I thought, I think when they were just kind of hacking at each other. Very yeah. true. Any final thoughts on the Phantom Menace, Thomas? Uh, no. Cool. All right. Well, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to Attack of the Clones, shall we? Yes. I'm going to read a brief plot synopsis for those who forgot what Attack of the Clones is about. Because thank you. This one, <laughs> this one though, in my opinion, thank you, has improved the most. Because this one I thought was the worst Star Wars movie by far. But upon rewatching it, I'm like, okay, there are elements of a plot here. So I'll read this quick synopsis online. It says. <laughs> Following an assassination attempt on Senator Padme Amidala, Jedi Knights, Anakin Skywalker, and Obi-Wan Kenobi investigate a mysterious plot that could change the galaxy forever. And that plot, of course, is the creation of the clone army. So this is what I like about Attack of the Clones. First off, it sets up stakes in a way that is character-based. So from the first scene, we have an attempted assassination on Padme Amidala. And then we have a totally legit reason as to why Anakin and Obi-Wan would be her bodyguard. It's like, hey, you know these guys. We're going to have them protect you just to make sure that the person who's after you gets, you know, doesn't complete their job. And then we have Obi-Wan Kenobi going on a side quest to, like, kind of do some detective work to figure it out. Now, unfortunately, this is where it kind of falls flat because I do think it would have been cool to have him kind of be more of a detective and link all this stuff and discover the army and all this but instead, they kind of just make him go to one guy at a 50s diner. That old, that, <laughs> remember that guy? And then he tells him exactly where to go. And so then yeah. it's like, oh, there goes the whole. <laughs> but he's, he's a great very character. good. He like, had like a dart and he was able to tell, oh, I know what planet this is from. He's like, oh, yeah, this is the mines of what's it called? You know, like only it's, it's, a, it's an unlisted planet, but I know exactly where it is because luckily I'd traveled there before. Oh, man. <laughs> But anyway, Attack of the Clones, I think the common issue or the common issue that most people have with it is the romance. Uh, Thomas, what do you think of the romance in Attack of the Clones? Oh, Thomas um, loves it. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it is a little cheesy, but you do have to, to remember that like, the actors at the time were under, under like 18 or something. They were young, too. So in that sense, like, you know, it's cheesy, but yeah, young love is, is cheesy. Very uh, true. And I mean, at the time, it didn't bother me that it's much. Pure. Right now, what, like right now, if I watch it, yeah, then it's like, oh, like this is so unbelievable. How could she fall in love with him? Blah blah, you know, little things like that. He's handsome. But I mean, at at the time, it's whatever, and and yeah, it's 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 fun. Noah, 
Do you remember the first yes. time we saw Clone Wars? Or not Clone Wars, so. whatever it's called. Attack of the Clones? Attack of the Clones. I think I do. It, it was amazing. Noah's bachelor party. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Kyle Welch was there. What a dream. Wait, Kyle Welch? We were there. No. Were we there? We weren't there. You were probably there. Maybe we were. You guys weren't so bachelors cool. enough. It was amazing. Because I think the whole family was up, but maybe not. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> what a Jeez. great night. It was. It was like the perfect way to celebrate Noah's love with the ultimate love story. <laughs> Noah, what do you think about Attack of the Clones? Do you remember... I guess, I guess what's your impressions of the movie? Not even what you remember from it, but what you think about it now. What do I think about it now? Yeah. Um, I, I, I like it. I, I wouldn't say it's one of the better Star Wars movies. Um, I think the second half is really good. The first half is the slower part, I think, if, if I can remember it right. But <laughs> I think there, there's one scene in there that I think is one of the cooler Star Wars scenes ever. And it's when one of the they're in the big battle at the end. One of those giant spaceships crashes into the ground and makes this dust cloud storm. And you, there's a big, huge laser fight in the dust. That is cool. And that just looks so cool. I was like, oh, that was a great shot. Whoever thought of that? Because it's that <laughs> weird, like color flashing everywhere. That yeah. part was rad, except for when you consider the fact that it's just clones fighting robots, and then you're like, "Oh, this is pretty inconsequential." Like they're just like, "Yeah, it's just full." <laughs> yeah, there's really no, yeah, there's no suspense here. But it, that is a really cool shot. That's for sure. Yeah. But that's an interesting element too: is the whole clone army creation. It so George Lucas does do a good job at not. I, I, I mean, as weird as this is going to sound, he doesn't give too much background with each element of the plot i guess i mean i guess he does in the like in the comics and things of that nature but the fact that like all this stuff is happened off screen as far as like the creation of the clone army i think that's a pretty cool reveal and it makes you kind of it makes the world feel lived in it makes it feel like oh okay this is just a common thing like these people exist to make these armies for people and like oh there's like some insurrections in the jedi if this was a jedi who had ordered this thing without any approval so i think that that's a kind of a cool aspect of it and it also gives us one of the cooler fight scenes too is when Django fett fights obi-wan kenobi tim do you remember that fight scene that was a good one it was raining yeah yeah i think it's rad i think it's like the first time they use a lightsaber in the rain yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think it was cool that he like used a character like Django fett and all that kind of stuff and you know because Boba Fett had was so popular from the original movies, and I think it was kind of cool the way that he made him like the the model for all the clones and all that kind. Of, I think he gave him like a really awesome backstory um, for a character that just falls into a, a hole in the, in the actual movies. He was um, just so cool, though. It was way cool. <laughs> I don't know why. I, so love, cool. I love that part. I think that part was awesome. Just the fight between him and Obi Wan Kenobi, and even when he gets his head lopped off by um, Mace Kendall Windu Jackson. Yeah. Oh, he must have had awesome. that helmet on pretty tight because the kid does lift it up off the ground. Luckily, it didn't plop <laughs> out. That was... out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a dark part. Oh. That, that's the thing. It's like that movie, like. You know, it's got some really bad parts, but it also got some really cool parts. I think exactly you know, like Django Fett's really cool. The, the fight with Count Dooku's really cool too. 
Especially the romance uh, is definitely the worst part of the movie. And I think that's the part that everyone remembers is the, I hate sand, it's coarse, and it gets everywhere. You know, like, lines like that really stick in your brain. It really does, though. But there are cool elements of this movie that, and that's why I guess this one has improved the most for me. Because when I was watching, I was like, okay, there are, like, really cool ideas here. And you actually mentioned one. I do think Christopher Lee as Count Dooku is awesome. And he is, like, he's such a menacing he does such a good job it just like you just believe that he is exactly who he says he is kind of thing thomas what do you think of count dooku do you like count dooku yeah i liked him i think he's an intimidating guy had a cool voice his lightsaber's cool his lightsaber is cool yeah did you know he so he asked for that like christopher lee asked for that he's like well i've done fencing and i think it would make more sense for me to have a bent like handle because it would make it be easier to maneuver. So like that's why they did it. It wasn't just like they didn't decide that he's the one who actually brought it up. That's pretty cool. Huh. Are fencing towards bent? Yeah. His handle is bent. So like fencing for some reason that's what he's at least that was what he said in an interview. Maybe he's wrong. Huh. <laughs> he's Christopher Lee. He might be right. I, don't know. I asked for that. This is right. a cool thing. So when Christopher Lee was ninety one years old, did you guys know he released a metal album? <laughs> yeah, yeah you can wow. find it online it's really cool <laughs> yeah he just did the singing so it's just his like Sar- saruman voice yeah. over some like heavy metal guitars and stuff like that he's it's got a rad cool. voice he was 90 he was in his 80s when he did attack of the clones and he's still moving around pretty well and then considering the fact that all these actors are acting in front of a green screen and like you know a tennis ball like he's able to sell that like he is interacting with these creatures pretty well Wow. So, I didn't know that. <laughs> at that age, he was probably delusional. He was seeing all the creatures, you know? So. Yeah, he probably was. <laughs> he was probably just off, yeah. And then he was getting ready for Lord of the Rings and still seeing animals. This on film, George? <laughs> so let's talk about one of the bigger moments in Attack of the Clones is Anakin attacking the sand people. Because, yeah. again, I think this is where they kind of miss it. I think the idea of it is pretty good as far as building up to Darth Vader. Because, you know, Anakin was a slave with his mother, finally gets freed, finally has the opportunity to go back and help her. And what happens? He gets, you know, he finds his, the sand people have kidnapped his mother, beat her, and then she dies. Like, I feel like it's a good character trait to build up to is like Darth Vader is someone who believes that he should have all power and be the hand of justice over the galaxy. But they don't really, again, the execution of this isn't great because again, I think it makes sense for him to have that kind of anger towards like some pretty vile animals because sand people are never nice in any of the movies, but it's one of those things where they kind of, they, they don't really, I mean, he does, what's his name? Hayden Christensen actually does a decent job at showing his anger right before he does the attack. But then after when he's talking to Padme, it's just such an odd scene. Tim, do you have any thoughts on that whole interaction? (laughs) There's lots of thoughts. I mean, I think, I think that, like the the idea behind it, like you said, I think it was pretty good. Like you know, he's supposed to kind of forget all this stuff, but he keeps having all these nightmares of like bad things happening. And I think he finally gives in to you know, I'm just gonna, you know, I know I'm not supposed to pay attention to this stuff, but I he gives into it and he goes and he's too late to like save his mom. So I think, I think like that moment is a really good like character building thing for Darth Vader, and it kind of shows you know, I think it kind of like is that catalyst for how he falls apart in the last movie. Um, yeah, it's just, 
it does seem like a kind of you know it's a pretty horrible thing especially like the whole part about the women and the children and yeah and just murdering everybody and and I think part of the problem with it is Padme's reaction to it is she's she's kind of cool with it, you know. Yeah, so I think it's happens. like, like you know, she's she's kind of like stopping his advances like this whole time, and then once he's like murdered like half a village, she's just like, well, maybe he is kind of cute, you know. Well, she probably hated sand people too. Like, they're really mean. <laughs> oh man. So- but that's a good point, because I honestly do think that's the problem with that scene, is it's Anakin yelling, like, whining about what he just did, instead of being like, I let my anger get the best of me, and I killed these, I killed the entire tribe, you know? Instead of letting it be subtle, and letting it be kind of more like a, like a realistic, I guess, like, admission of what he just did, it's like this weird, like, I killed them, the women and the children. I hate them. Ah! And then she's like, oh, it's okay. It happens. And it's just like, this is so weird. Like, why is that <laughs> such a clunky scene? Oh, man. Anyway, I, I do think that part is is interesting. Um, another part that I noticed is that Jar Jar might be the evilest character in the prequels because he's the one who requests the Senate to allow <laughs> Palpatine to have executive power and to yeah. do whatever he wants. <laughs> so, Noah, Noah, you work in law. Do you think Jar Jar is a... You know, and he's pretty much to blame for the war and everything else that happens after. Well, maybe his actions were, but it seemed like everyone was missing that the bad guy <laughs> was the bad guy. So you can't just blame it on him. Because, like, didn't he have, like, the entire Jedi group? And these are supposed to be people who are, like, somewhat clairvoyant. Yeah. And they still weren't able to figure out that this They got no guy, shot. So. Yeah, that's true. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was. Yeah, it makes you wonder what the Jedi do. You know, they kind of just hang out and yeah. tell people they're too old. Which, yeah, it's actually, I mean, kind of going back to this goes back to Tim's issue too with the, with the and your issue with the Darth Vader turning bad kind of stuff throughout this movie. Um, that Clone Wars TV show with Ahsoka Tano and, and the computer animated people did such a better <laughs> job of character development and they had, they had much more time. So I mean, it's not the same as having two hours versus 25 hours or whatever, however much time they had but uh just the the beats that they put anakin through in that were so much more believable than the sand that's yeah. what i keep hearing is that that show is actually really good it, oh yeah if you haven't seen it and you like star wars that it's it's one of the few things that makes cool. it yeah. better ah. like you're like oh it yeah kind of, and that's like like <laughs> back after watching that and like going back to watch like even like attack of the clones and and the you know the Revenge of the Sith, like it makes it so much cooler. It makes the character of Anakin so much, you know, more complex and and awesome. And it's it's actually like a character you're you're rooting for instead of you know just yeah you're just perplexed about him. So yeah, exactly. totally. It's, yeah. it's a good show, and that's a real big miss on the prequels. And I know we've already kind of beaten this point to death, but just the fact that he couldn't convey that within the movies. I feel like the original movies do a good job at like establishing the characters where you don't need backstory for them to be cool. Whereas this one relied a lot on like stuff that happened off screen. Like even the relationship with Obi-Wan and Anakin, like Anakin just complains about him the whole movie. And you're like, do they like each other? Because the only time you think that they like each other is when they're in the elevator. And then Anakin or Obi-Wan says something snarky about, Oh, this is just like the time you saved me on this. And then they're like, ha, 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 yeah, we're such good friends. And then the next scene, he's like, Oh, Obi-Wan thinks I'm not that strong. And it's just so, it's just so odd that they didn't have like a moment where you're like, okay, like, 
at least in Attack of the Clones, they didn't really have a moment where like, oh, these guys like each other and this is a relationship worth saving kind of thing. Or it's going to be a real big bummer when Anakin turns to the dark side, you know? Yeah. Um, but I did think there was one moment that actually I really enjoyed upon the second viewing was, uh, or upon my latest viewing, where the Jedi Knights are fighting the droid army within the Coliseum. And that's like one of the first times you see like an entire army of Jedi run after like another yeah, army. Rad. That part was awesome. Thomas, do you remember that scene? And what are your thoughts on the Coliseum Jedi fight scene? Yeah, no, I really, I, I really liked that scene. I thought it was cool. I remember getting like toys from it or playing it in video games. And yeah, it was cool to see all the, the Jedis together fighting against the, the droids. Oh, yeah. Tim, do you have any final thoughts on Attack of the Clones? Just the scene with Yoda, I think, is totally awesome. Oh, I there think, we go. Of course, I missed. I that mean, one. oh, I forgot about and, that. And you oh, got. I mean, that, I, I think for, for me, like out of that whole movie, that's like the highlight. And I, just because it's yeah. kind of like it almost reminds me of that scene in Karate Kid where you get to see like Mr. Miyagi like actually fight. Oh, and, um, and the next Karate Kid. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. With with no, Hillary Swank. No, not no, that one. Oh, okay, the skeleton. Well, he fights the one in Hillary Swank too. It's pretty good. <laughs> he beats up a bunch of college yeah oh, okay <laughs> but it's okay, just yeah, of course Record i don't know record. seeing like because yoda you're kind of like okay he's like really wise and all that kind of stuff but seeing him just like jump around the way that he does and like fight, i just it, it was a, that was a really cool scene and i remember That's like cool. when i first saw that i was like that is so awesome did anyone um, feel like that scene took away from the character? Because that's a complaint that I've heard is that he's like, uh, he's supposed to be like the guy who's in control all the time. And here he is squealing and jumping all over. I don't think so. Oh, that was cool. It was, it was pretty funny. It, it got a huge <laughs> laugh in the I theaters. It was kind of like yeah. a Because <laughs> you're just like, what in the world? And then he uses his cane right <laughs> afterward. And that part got a huge laugh. I remember that. And everyone cheered. It was, that was one of the first yeah. t- like moments in a movie that I remember yeah. the entire audience just cheering to the top of their lungs was when he pulled out his lightsaber. Yeah, it was rad. Yeah. The, the one thing that disappointed me about Yoda fighting is, and this is kind of goes back to Return of the Jedi, actually, is you watch that movie, the, t- the only time he ever gets called a Jedi Knight is when he throws his lightsaber yes. away at the so I And Yoda never used the weapon, so I was expecting Yoda to be like above yeah. the violence. See, that's what I mean. I guess for some people, that's kind of like... Yeah, but I think, like, that's kind of, like, part of the, I don't know, the whole hubris thing of the Jedi, you know? Totally. He kind of, he was just like everybody else. He was part in it, too. Yep. Yeah. And then he kind of realized, I think, after fighting Palpatine and all that stuff that, like, this isn't the right way. This isn't the way that we're going to win. And you know, became more of a passive. Yeah, maybe that's it. And not to be, not to get into a too big of a tangent here, but that's part of the reason why I love like Luke's arc in the, the last Jedi, because I feel like that's something he truly believes is like, okay, like I've learned my lesson that I cannot solve these issues with my lightsaber. And so like, he truly believed he had to like completely get rid of himself from the fight. But of course there was other stuff he had to learn, but I just think that was, I mean, because that was like his big victory, like Noah said at the end of Return of the Jedi, was like tossing the lightsaber away. So it is interesting to see Yoda, yeah. the one who's like the sage. He's yeah. breaking the yeah, yeah. He's breaking the violence cycle that they were stuck totally. in before. So he's just like, it's not going to be me that does this. Whatever. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's not what they were thinking. But that's yeah, and I think that's on. a meaningful <laughs> thing, though. I really like that point. All right, now we're into last one: Revenge of the Sith. How are you guys doing on time? So good. Good. Awesome. All right, 
Time. Revenge of the Sith. Let's see here. The evil Darth Sidious and acts his final plan for unlimited, unlimited power. And the heroic Jedi <laughs> Anakin Skywalker must choose a side. That really is pretty much the whole movie. It is, it is Darth Sidious's movie. I just rewatched this one yesterday. I'm like, yeah, it, it's all about the Emperor. Uh, Thomas, what do you think? You like Darth Sidious, don't you? Yes. This one's my favorite of the prequels. Why would you say, Thomas, you go first. Why would you say it's your favorite? Meh. Um, because it's like the rise of like, like the rise, like the fall of Darth Vader, um, the rise of, you know, Palpatine and, uh, the fight scenes I think are really cool. And just every, every character's like story, like side story that's going on. Like, I'm just interested in like Obi-Wan, like him doing his thing and, um, Anakin, obviously, and I don't know. I, I love it. I think it's like a wild roller coaster and just crazy things. Happen. This movie does move. Oh man, this one is like nonstop. Noah, why yeah. why is Revenge of the Sith your favorite? I don't, for me, it felt like this was was the was the closest to how the originals felt, where the stakes were getting higher and higher, hmm. and it just kind of everything was going crazy. Which I don't know, maybe just imagining these things, but it yeah. seemed like it seemed like those ones had that same kind of like aggressive action adventure feel more so than yeah. the others. I agree with that. It was also the first PG-13. It was. Think, wasn't it? So it was a little more violent oh, yeah. than the uh-huh. others. I don't know if that's why I liked it. Man, and it, I, I mean, rewatching this one too, because this one is my favorite of the prequels as well. Sorry, Tim. But the reason being <laughs> is because... Philistines. I, <laughs> I think it's just what you guys have already pointed out, but it does feel the most dramatic in the sense where it's like Obi-Wan, especially I think Ewan McGregor actually does a great performance throughout all the movies. I know Phantom Menace, he doesn't have much to do, but in this one, especially even if the dialogue is still clunky, because there still are those romantic scenes where it's like, no, I'm still, I'm so in love with you. Love is blinded. You know, like there's like some really weird <laughs> scenes, there. <laughs> but Obi-Wan Kenobi like really nails it. And I feel like he's, again, he's the main character of this movie, you know, and there's parts that are happening with, you know, there's a lot with Darth Sidious. And I think he is so campy and so over the top that it just is perfectly menacing for like a star Wars villain. And yeah, it just, because it's so much fun and because I think it does have some really high stakes. I think this one is my favorite because of those reasons. Um, Do you guys remember, seeing this one in the theaters or do you remember the buildup for this one at all? Yeah. 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 It was good times. I remember. Yeah. So with mine, I'll tell you real quick. Cause I remember after seeing attack of the clones. So this was something that kind of like influenced my viewing of attack of the clones. They did a red carpet thing and they were interviewing all these celebrities before attack of the clones came out and Wayne Brady said, uh, yeah, like, I'm excited for it. I just hope there's not too much romance because I think that's really going to distract from the, uh, the coolness of Star Wars or something. He said something like that. And I remember thinking, like, oh, man, he was right. Like, that was a little bit too romantic and kind of cheesy for me. So I didn't see Revenge of the Sith upon its first, like, right when it was released. It was one of those ones where I was like, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait to see it. But then I remember it was Brother Goodmanson who sold me on it because I remember he said – the only reason they made the prequels is just so they could make Revenge of the Sith. And so I was like, all right, I'll go see it. And I remember like, it definitely paid off on like the moments of like Yoda versus the emperor and yeah. Obi-Wan versus Anakin. Tim, do you have a favorite battle in the Revenge of the Sith movie? I mean, I, my favorite battle 
I actually really like the first scene when they're first coming in, and it's like Anakin and Obi Wan are like in their ships, and it kind of like shows them like going through, and then they kind of like go, they almost like fly over this part, and it shows like this huge battle going on at once. And yeah, I just remember rad. being like really. I, don't, I think up until that point, we've never seen like a full-on war happening all at once with all these ships and everything blowing up and all that kind of stuff. And then Anakin, who's who's probably like, you know, because I love Darth Vader. I think he's one of my favorite co- characters. But seeing him like kick Count Dooku's butt is really cool and chop his hands off and then his head. <laughs> I shouldn't. Oh, okay. So I just, I mean, that whole scene for me, I think, is probably my favorite part. It is um, really cool. And that's definitely the fastest pace start of any Star Wars movie. Yeah. It just like throws you right into like the whole Clone War. And I think especially like after watching the Clone Wars and all that kind of stuff, it just has like that feeling to a lot of the stuff, you know, like you've got like this huge battle and they've been fighting, you know, him and Obi-Wan. I think like when you talk about like them like getting along and stuff like that and showing that they're friends, I think that was really a good scene where it's like they've been through a lot of these battles before and they're kind of joking around and they're helping each other out and all that kind of stuff. It was a great scene. Yeah, I'd agree with that. The intro of this one is probably one of my favorites. And I think it does end pretty well too. We won't jump to the ending yet, but I do feel like they get, they really nail the beginning and the ending of this movie. And again, a lot, a lot of stuff happens. There's like a ton of lightsaber fights because in the middle of the movie, there's the fight between Mace Windu and the Emperor too. I mean, there's like four or yeah. five lightsaber fight scenes. I think there's yeah. five. Because then there's a General Grievous, who's definitely a forgettable villain. Um, and he's just kind of, I don't know. What do you, what, Thomas, what do you think of General Grievous? Do you like him? Um, I, I think he was okay. So I heard, and this is kind of cool, the guy is not even a voice actor. I think it was somebody who worked at Lucasfilm as like one of the engineers or something like that. And like, he just stood in for the voice one day. And then George Lucas was like, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll use your voice for it. So he's just some random, like count, like he, he sounds like, like count Dracula. I was trained by count Dooku or like, you know, how he talks. it's really weird. Oh man. Noah, what do you think of uh, Ian McDermott as Darth Sidious? Do you think he's a cool bad guy? Oh, yeah, he's probably the best. I mean, his scenes are probably the best ones in the movie. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, The opera scene is one of the best scenes maybe in, in, you know, of the prequels, and and it's probably one of the top ones in Star Wars because it actually kind of explains things, keeps it pretty sinister, and then the background, like, humming music. Yeah, everyone's, like, pointing to that scene, too. Like, I think, like, all the fan theories and everything that people have for like how everything's going to end like it, that scene like always comes up yeah like you know, Darth like, Plagueis yeah. yeah I think like people like yeah no I, I would, I'd be surprised if they don't hit it in this last Star Wars uh-huh. movie oh they got to winter. I'm pretty I'm really yeah. excited that they're bringing the Emperor back because I always thought Snoke was the weakest part of the new trilogy and then when he got killed in Return of the Jedi or in, in um, The Last Jedi I was so excited yeah, was that like, was awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's it really cool. I, li- I liked seeing him fight, too. I thought they did a good job with his lightsaber. Yeah. Um, I-, I noticed this from um, The Force Awakens, like, right away, but Ray fights exactly. Yeah, a lot of people would say I mean, that. What, like, with a lot of stabbing, out. or what do you mean? Yeah. 
Uh-oh, I think we might be losing you. In the Force Force Awakens, I was like, that's like the same fighting that the other wow. guy did. And like, I didn't, so, cool. Yeah. Interesting. But uh, what else? Um, I didn't like his makeup as much in this as I did in Return of the Jedi. I don't know why. It didn't look as scary to me in the Return of the Jedi makeup. Yeah, it's totally goofy. <laughs> yeah, like kind of weirdly round or something. And, like, that's probably because it was fresh. Probably. Yeah. It's a good question. And then the other thing is there's all these people who think that Mace Windu could have beat him up, but it like if you watch that movie, he clearly totally yeah. Yeah. his yeah. lightsaber is awesome too. Not sure it's issue, but, when but he's it, concentrating more on like Anakin he, than he is on Mace. I think you know, that was, yeah, I, I think that I, fight scene Yeah, I don't think he's seen him. It like it was I think that fight up. scene establishes something that I guess it, it, it explains why the fight scenes are the way they are in the prequels. And this is just kind of like my theory is yeah. like a Jedi's goal when fighting and Qui-Gon says this is to like see what's coming next. And so a lot of these guys were on the yes. same page can see exactly what the other person's thinking. So they're able to do it kind of like a dance. Whereas in this one, Darth Sidious's goal is to like cloud everybody's things. So like he knocks out like the first three Jedi in that battle in like two seconds. Yeah. So, like, my thought is, like, he's, like, decepting them to think that they need to block in another spot, and then he stabs them. Like, it just – I just think it's kind of cool. It makes him seem so much more menacing, and he does—he sells it with that theatrical face of his, too. Yeah. Oh, man. He's a cool bad guy. And uh, what did you think of the Yoda Emperor fight? Because that was a huge moment. Uh, I liked it. I didn't like it as much as the Obi-Wan Kenobi Anakin fight. But it was fun to see those two guys. Yeah, I like the Obi-Wan Kenobi fight, but for me, like, the part that just kills me is I just think it ends so stupidly. What about when they swing on the vines? I think there's some dumb moments in the middle of it, too. Yeah. (laughs) They're just, like, they're doing so many awesome things, and they're fighting, and they're jumping from thing to thing, and it's really cool. And then it's just, like, Anakin, don't come at me. I've got the high ground. And, like, what you underestimate my power. Yeah. Oh. You can't be yeah, this is well, true. Obi-Wan beats the high ground that. against Darth Maul. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was in the exact same spot. It's even worse. Way worse. <laughs> <laughs> he had to go right up above Darth Maul, whereas Anakin could have floated down the river, walked on land, and then got the higher ground. You know? It but just, I think yeah. that... I think that kind of shows like a little bit about like their friendship and how much they knew each other. Like Colton, if I'm, if I'm totally, he's just you, toying yeah. with him. Yeah. I agree with Thomas. Go if ahead. I'm though. fighting you and I know like your weakness and I see that, like I'm about to exploit. I'm going to say, Colton, if you do this, you know, I'm, I'm going to kick your butt. You underestimate my power. <laughs> then I would do that. Well, no. And then, and then I think that's <laughs> yeah. cool. Anakin, Anakin is all like, Oh, I'm, I'm so high on my power right now that like I, I can I can beat you at at your game and then he thinks he can he, he does he goes for it and then Obi-Wan gets him that's true I, I think it's also it's also shows growth on Obi-Wan Kenobi's part because the first time he realized that you know this was a really dumb yeah. move but it worked and he was able to kill Darth Maul or, and then the second time he's like wait a minute I know this trick you know, <laughs> so this was the worst move ever like, don't, don't jump over me because I've seen do you this think that's what before. they were going for I think so Cause like I, I can totally agree with that logic, but the thing is, is that you have to jump there. You have no. to like establish that by yourself, you know. Because it's not like conveyed in the dialogue. It is shown in like, like Thomas was saying, it is shown 
in Anakin's face. He's like, oh, I, I, I don't like I can do this. Yeah. But like it also isn't like hinted at that like Obi-Wan had an idea to do it that way. But I guess like you, you could link maybe, it. Maybe. Yeah. You could link the two, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a brutal part. I think that's the PG thirteen rating when you see him burning and uh and his arm like reaching into the gravel and trying to escape the lava. And that actually leads to one of my yeah. favorite so my favorite part of the movie is probably right after Anakin tells Mace Windu that Darth Sidious is the Sith Lord they've been looking for. And then it shows him in the tower and it shows him looking at where he lives with Padme and like longing to like, like have her stay alive. And it shows her looking at the Jedi temple, like worried about him. And then it shows him looking at the Jedi temple thinking like, this might be the only person that can save her. And it's like a moment where it's really quiet. You can only hear some like really faint strings in the background. And you see like Hayden Christensen may not be the best actor, but he does a great job in this scene with selling it with his face and his eyes. I, do you remember that scene? And do you guys like that scene? Is that something I'm just being a little bit too, too friendly to, or. Beautiful. That was good. That whole sequence. I thought yeah. Was good. It's just, again, it lets the, mo- it lets the movie breathe for a second. And I think this one could have used a little bit more like that. And another part is at the ending where they have Darth Vader getting put back together like he's in the uh, the hospital and they're putting like his legs back on and stuff like that. And then like juxtaposed to that is Padme giving birth to the kids. I just think that's like kind of a cool transition that they do. Um, did the, does the ending of this movie work for you as far as like the end of the trilogy goes, Noah? It does. I'd, I'd say the, the only part that always kind of bugged me is that it never quite made too much sense to me why Anakin all of a sudden was evil. Just, oh, yeah. It's a I quick mean, turn. I get it. He kind of became a fugitive by murdering one of his colleagues or whatever. But it's like he could have just ran away. He didn't have to like become. Yeah, murdering guy. all the little but kids is like, uh, <laughs> seems like a big jump. Yeah. It's pretty hard to forgive. He could have just ran out the door and sort of like swear service to this crazy dude. But instead, he just decided to. What do you think? Anakin? I guess Do any of you guys have an idea of like how that could have done better? Because I was trying to think like if they would have. So my thought is if they would have shown Anakin like in rage being able to save something or like somehow use like a power that he wasn't sure he had or he didn't know he had. Like maybe if it was like he was so angry in like in like his spout of anger. Let's say he's fighting Count Dooku and he's like really mad and Count Dooku cuts off his lightsaber. And then Anakin's like able to repair the lightsaber because he's like so angry. And then maybe that's like a hint of like, oh, hey, maybe anger allows you to access like a power you didn't know you had. And that convinces him to think like, oh, maybe I need to be super evil in order to save Padme. But I don't know. Do you think there's any way to fix that issue with these kind of movies? Uh, well, you can't fix it because it's already... As far as I guess, I guess for you, if you were yeah, in a, another world, I guess, if you were in charge of it. Yeah. I mean, I would have liked to see more reason why he, why Anakin turned bad, because a lot of it just seemed kind of, it just seemed kind of forced. So yeah, I agree, Thomas. What do you think? Uh, man, I haven't really thought of that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to try to make something up on the spot. I don't know. I haven't thought of that. No, yeah, I, I guess not. Like so, or I guess what do you think of the execution? Not so much. What do you think would be a good like yeah, alternative I, I mean yeah one of my favorite parts from revenge of the sith is just how like like 
the the chancellor's like plan is is coming about like just the little things that he does to anakin that he says to him just kind of triggers something and he gives him you know hope for that he can save padme's life and and uh i don't know yeah i I mean at the time it worked for me i mean i'm sure if i watch it again or something i'll I'll pick up little things but you know i thought it was fine the whole execution Mm. cool Tim, what do you think? Do you think the execution of that was, I mean, you mentioned the stuff with the, the child murder, which isn't great. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the pieces are there. I think like, that's one of the cool things about George Lucas is I think he really can like get all the, the right elements for a story, but I don't know if like the way he pieced it together makes as much sense. And with some of the transitions and, and some of like, you know, some of these scenes like making, I think a, another director could have made them a little bit better um, and have them kind of like okay you know like this this thing that happened here you know kind of bleeds into this and I I, I, I really do think though that like like the parts are there and I think what's kind of cool about it is I think George Lucas like you know he doesn't fill in all the holes but then like fans will take what he has and, and fill them in later which is yeah, that is pretty cool. Which is kind of fun. Yeah, I guess that is a fun element of Star Wars. All right, so we'll get into the closing thoughts now that we've gone through all three. Um, we'll start off with everyone with this question. Do, we, do you guys think that the prequels deserved all the hate that they got? Um, Tim, let's start with you. Do you think that was uh, definitely deserving of the hate as far as like the execution of these movies? Or what do you think? I don't know. No. I mean... I don't know. It depends. Like, I, I think, like, in aspects, maybe, you know, like, there, there's definitely, like, elements that could be done better. But I think that there's so much, so much creativity, so many awesome characters, so much world building that, like, goes into it that's really, really good stuff. And I think kind of, like, the series, like, the Clone Wars and some of the stuff that came after, like, really showed, like, how like these these elements that George Lucas put into this movie are like really solid and that they could make like a good story and a good world that has like this whole mythology to it. Um, I think it's pretty incredible. And I think what's what's really I think impressive about the the prequel is is even though at the time I think a lot of people were kind of you know slamming it and saying, Oh, it's not very good regardless of all that like it endured and those characters like endured and i think like knowing who anakin was made darth vader a stronger character it did all that kind of stuff and you know here you are like 20 years later and i think you can see like these kids that grew up with the movie and who you know who these prequels are are something that they love that 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 really like made an impact on their lives and so i I just there's not very many directors or authors or whatever that have done anything similar to that you know so it's it's a pretty impressive incredible feat to like have some movies that on a technical aspect were very good but that still resonate and still you know, still make as much of an impression as those movies have. 
Yeah. It is interesting to think about the people who grew up with the prequels as their reference point for Star Wars instead of how we grew up with the originals being like, that's Star Wars, that's what that world yeah, feels like. But, but I think the people that like grew up with them, they still love it. You know? Totally. It's, just, it's pretty I, cool. That's why I think there's been a resurgence of like love for the prequels. Because if you go around on the internet, now everyone's saying like, oh, the prequels were way better than like the new Disney ones and all this <laughs> stuff, which I think is just like, I don't know, for me, I'm just like, I, I don't see that. Um, Noah, what are your closing thoughts on the prequel trilogy? The prequel trilogy? Yeah. Oh, I like them. I, I, I mean, anything that's in the Star Wars universe, I like. I, I don't think there's ever been anything that I haven't... Well, there's probably some things I haven't seen, but all the movies I think I've, I've seen... And the, Christmas specials. A lot of the TV shows. Christmas, Christmas specials, great. It's just a, it's a fun universe. I mean, would I have done it differently? Probably. If I had made the prequels or if I had had a chance to write them. But, um, you know, I'm not on Lucasfilm. I was way too young when these were being developed <laughs> to do that. Dude, those movies would be psychotic. So, so definitely there's things be I awesome. don't like about them. <laughs> but I still like that it's a Star Wars movie. I mean, you don't, especially back then, those barely ever came out. What was the gap between the Return of the Jedi and the other one? It was almost 15 years or something Oh, yeah, like that. yeah. at least. Most people thought it was over, and it was kind of fun to have something else again to, to kind of. <laughs> I think George Lucas thought it was way. over. <laughs> I think. He oh, did. yeah. Well, he said he's had the prequels. He had the prequels written for a long time after the originals, but then again, after, you know, stepping down to be a father. He was like, oh, I, I feel like the technology is, is where it needs to be to tell these stories the right way. And so uh, that was interesting <laughs> that that was a big stepping point of like, okay, now I can revisit this universe now that the technology has gone up to speed of what I have envisioned. That's, that's what he always says in the interviews, at least. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think they're, the, the prequels are kind of cursed with this, and then the new movies are cursed with this, too, is that they just can't recapture what the original trilogy, especially the first two movies, were able to do. The first movie probably more so than any other because it was so unusual. Oh, yeah, it was just crazy. Um, compared to other sci-fi, yeah, it's just like you can't do that again. So they're all stuck kind of being compared to those original 1977, 1980 movies. And it's just nobody's going to be able to recapture that. So I think the, the new movies have no problem and the, and the prequels had that. So they're always going to be compared to these movies that you're just never going to be able to compare with. Do you think there's like any solution moving forward? Do you think, Noah, they should just try to start doing very new stories and just leave the Skywalker saga behind? Personally, yes. I don't know if that's a good marketing strategy. That won't just kill the franchise. Like, I mean, if you keep going the Last Jedi route, maybe that'll be the end of Star Wars. I really liked The Last Jedi because it took it in different directions and it did things that you weren't expecting. And I wish they'd do more of that. But I'm not, you know, the world population that spends money on it. So, so I'm sure they've got marketing people that have figured out which one to make more. No, yeah, that's a good point. Thomas, what are your closing thoughts on the prequels? Um, yeah, just kind of to echo what everyone else said. I, th- I, I think it's, it, it, it opened up even further, like the, the, like the fun and creative universe that George Lucas had. Um, I thought, like Tim mentioned this, I think when we were talking about Phantom of the Menace, I thought the music was great. Oh yeah. man, yeah. Duel of the Fates is arguably one of the better Star Wars songs ever made. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, so the music was good. Really memorable fights and and, and those type of scenes. And 
Um, well, to me, yeah, it, it, it felt the, the, all three of them like felt like a Star Wars movie, so they had a little bit of that magic that was from the original ones. Um, and then, yeah, it's pretty cool that people are still talking about it and like trying to fill in the, the holes that you know that are that you know you, that you can see from watching them, but we're still talking about it and trying to use our imagination to see what what, uh, you know, what it all means. Oh yeah, good good job, Tebow. Sorry, James is talking. You want to say hi? Say hi. Hi. Good job, sweetie. James. So my closing thoughts, kind of like what I started with. The one thing I truly love about the prequels is the fact that they are independent movies, and it really is just what George Lucas wanted to make. And I just think that's so cool. I, I mean. Because that was like an issue I had when The Force Awakens was released. I really do like The Force Awakens, but it felt so similar to the old movies. And kind of like what Noah was saying, it's just like, you're not going to capture that again. So why not give us like a new adventure? And that's what the prequels do really well is it's like there's some stuff that seems so unnecessary, like a half hour pod racing scene or, (laughs) you know, really a, a lot of the stuff that happens in the last movie, too. But again, it's like all to add to the world of Star Wars. It's all happening within that world. So it's like I didn't really mind as far as where the movies were taking me. Just the world is cool enough to where any of those things are cool enough and they're adventurous enough to be enjoyable. So that's that's what I love about the prequels is like the freedom and the liberty that he had to do whatever he wanted. And it really does feel like he had the reins on everything. And it's like yeah, for that, I, I say kudos to the prequels. I think that's that's one thing that it does better than any of the movies. It's just it does its own thing. Yeah, you get some of the coolest scenes and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, just I think we've talked about a lot of them. But, you know, just, you know, even like the pod racing and like the, you know, some of the fight scenes and, and Yoda fighting. and In the 50s diner. Yeah, the big Clone Wars battle and all this kind of stuff. Like, you know... <laughs> It might not be stitched together perfectly, but there's so much creativity and, and just like so many things that have become like iconic, uh, just woven throughout the story. And it, it really is cool because I think George Lucas has such an awesome mind um, and just so much like creativity and, and not just him, but I think a lot of the artists and all those people that were working on it and to just let that kind of talent just run loose for a while and just make a movie like that. Um you know, it's not very often that something like that is ever done. So it's and it probably it's won't happen cool. again. <laughs> oh yeah, not to that scale. Oh man. All right. Well, in closing, let's all say our favorite Star Wars prequel character on three. Ready? One, two, three. Jar Jar. What? I said Anakin. I said Anakin. Someone said Jar Jar. Jar, Jar. I don't know that. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh. I said Jar Jar too. Dude, that's like a tie. Oh, two yeah. Jar Jars and two Anakins. Who would win in a fight? <laughs> Jar Jar. Misa, no, no. Misa, oh, no, no. That'd be a good fight. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining. I do and... like Jar Jar. Jar Jar looks awesome. He does. He does. <laughs> and he talks awesome. He's got great, yes. great dialogue. <laughs> well, thank you all He's for good. joining. Noah, it was great having you on the show. And thank you, listeners, who uh, stuck through. Please let us know what your thoughts are on the Star Wars prequels at Outer Experience Podcast at gmail.com. Because if you're in the experience gang, you, you got to get, get out. out. You got to be with you.